0: Welcome, everyone, to Wellbeing Wednesdays. I am your host, Courtney Weaver. I'm also the director over at WellWVU here at West Virginia University. And today with me, virtually not in the studio, is Corrine Pruitt. She is the coordinator for member services, operations, and student development at Campus Recreation, which when I read that out loud, it just makes me think that you're responsible for everything. <laughs> um, so I want to welcome, Corrine. And how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I'm looking
1: forward to chatting about the favorite part of my job today. So,
0: (laughs) excellent. So, before we dive into that, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about your role here at the university?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned my title, it's very long, so I won't repeat it. But essentially, so I just, I guess, I started with the department in May of 2019. So, relatively new to the campus climate in general, but I've been here about two years. So in in short I guess I oversee all of our day-to-day operations of the Student Recreation Center. So how we run and operate the fitness floors and the front desk and the different processes we have for equipment rentals, open recreation, reserving spaces, those sorts of processes. And then our member services. So, you know, locker services, towels, facility access, just swiping into the building and and those sorts of things. But all of the memberships and those processes. And then in terms of student development, As we continue to talk through this today, I think it'll become very apparent we're all very involved in student development. It's why almost all of us are doing what we're doing, but I am responsible for leading the department-wide student development initiative. So specifically, I chair our department student development committee, but again, it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck thing when it comes to developing our students. So that's kind of the short answer, I guess, to to what I do on a day-to-day basis, but They keep me on my toes, every day is different and
0: that's what I love about it, so. So again, I'm gonna repeat, it seems like you just do everything at Campus Rec and I'll tell Andy so. Andy, the director of Campus Rec, in case y'all don't know. All right, well, well, let's dive in. So we wanna talk a little bit today about student development, but also specifically through the employment lens. So let's talk about employment first. So Korean at Campus Rec, what types of employment opportunities are available to students?
1: Yes. So we have a lot. And I think this is one of the coolest things I like explaining to people because a lot of people see the facility and there's a lot more that goes into that. It's We, we try to get away from where the student rec center, right? We try to say we're campus recreation. We operate out of the student recreation center, but especially now with, with COVID, we've really been able to show that we're versatile and it's not We're not reliant on the building. I mean, competitive sports is rarely in the building, especially when you look at all the clubs, right? And then now what we've done with taking fitness classes, virtual and outside, operating the field rec, the Evansdale tent, I think we've been able to kind of show how we can, we're more than just a building. And I think as we start to explore some of our different employment opportunities, you'll really get to see kind of how it's broken down. Within program areas, so I'll try to get through this pretty quick. In general, we are typically, and this is you know nationwide, campus recreation or university recreation and wellness departments are are largely one of the biggest employers of students on campus. We have in full capacity with us being open right around three hundred to three hundred and fifty student employees at any given time that are operate in in various different positions. So one reason for that is that we are a student-run facility and our programs are student-run. So, you know, I am not, we're open typically at 6am to midnight. I'm not here from 6am to midnight. So in general, our philosophy as a department is for our students to be the ones that are running point. So, you know, regardless of if I'm in the building or not, the operations supervisor, who's one of our positions, they're going to be, you know, the final say in a decision that's made that day, right? Because if the same, we have to be consistent. And so if the same decision that's made at 6.05 when we open has to be made at 3 p.m. when I'm here and then 11.59 when we're getting ready to close. So we have, our we, student run facility and programs. So within that, I'm just going to kind of go through our different program areas and some of those positions within aquatics can be a lifeguard or a swim instructor. And then there's there's different levels for promotion within some of these areas. So kind of the supervisor for that position is a head lifeguard. Within youth programming, we have our youth counselors that work our summer camp and then any of our youth programs throughout the year. So kids night out, uh, youth climbing club. And then there's also the classroom teachers in the Mountaineer Kid Zone within competitive sports so this is kind of like twofold there's the club sport portion and then the intramural sports so intramural sports we're looking at officials and then intramural sports supervisors again they operate in the building they're at Myland park they're on the med fields evansdale fields so they're they're um, all over the place and then the other half of that would be the club sports so there's the club sport supervisors that work during club sport practices But then that program area also oversees the Club Sport Executive Board and then the Club Sport Federation, which is all of the presidents from each club. And they have, I think, right around 50 clubs, if I'm correct. Within our events team, there's a large event staff. So students that help set up and break down events. We do a lot of career fairs. We do a lot of school groups that come in and use the facility. We're one of the largest spaces on campus. So we get a lot of reservation requests. So that staff is always very busy. Within fitness, which I think is where a lot of people go right away when they think of us, but is again, just a portion of what we do. Fitness, we've got our personal trainers and group exercise instructors. They teach different modalities depending on the instructor. So you could have an instructor that teaches yoga and maybe some Les Mills classes. And you could have another instructor that teaches you know, a bar class or or something else like that. And then personal trainers, you know, have their clients and they work with them either virtually or when we're open inside the facility. So the the two areas that I oversee is is member services and operations. And so those students, we have our operations attendants. They work both behind the front desk with facility access. So helping you swipe in, helping you check out equipment. And then they also work in overseeing the safety of patrons on the fitness floors. And then our member services assistants, they are the ones that are going to help Uh, You get your membership all set up. If you have any issues or need a locker, they're going to help you with that. They work at the front desk and in the admin office. And then our operations supervisors, that position is is through operations, but they oversee everything that happens within the building on a given day. So that's a pretty big role. They're responsible for opening, closing, and then monitoring everything that happens in between. Again, they're kind of like the... You know, if, if a patron has a, has a complaint or a question, that's kind of the final level that they can get to, again, because I might not always be here. So lots of responsibility in general that we give our, our student employees. I mentioned advancement a little earlier. Recently, uh, two years ago, we started a, a program, I guess you could say where we hire some students within different program areas to serve as program assistants. So these students are hired in an administrative capacity. They come in, they have office hours, and in general, they just help us uh, with the day-to-day administration of the different program areas. So helping with staff scheduling and trainings and um, things like that. They might help with overseeing larger systems that Affect more than one program area, like Lost and Found, for example. So, might seem small, uh, but our our big projects um, that we use their help with, and I think it's that's been a really cool position to see develop over the two years because it's it's new and they've really they've loved it, and and each program area has been able to really develop those students, and and they're getting a lot of great skills. So those are like the typical employee positions you would think of. They're made up of undergraduate and graduate students and each kind of program area oversees the hiring and training for, for each of those. So
0: it's a lot, but those are our, our student positions in general. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a lot, but it's great. And I know you mentioned that both undergrads and graduate (laughs) students like can be employed through campus rec. Would you say that like, more often with like those supervisor roles, do those go like to graduate students more or do undergrad have the same opportunity?
1: Some of my best operations supervisors have been second year students, third year students. I think it, it definitely doesn't matter. I mean, I have a few that, that are graduate level students that, have stayed in school because they love working here so much. They're like, I never thought about going to grad school, but I don't want to leave yet. So maybe I'll pursue a degree. So I I think right now out of my 16 supervisors, two are in graduate school, one's in law school, one's in graduate school. So we'll keep them uh, as long as they want to stay. I think think we'll talk about it a little later too, but for us, it's a big return on investment. If we can hire those first and second year students and really, it costs a lot of money to train and hire somebody. So if we can hire them when they're starting out and keep them as long as we can, that's going to be huge for us. So we really do try to focus on on kind of hiring those first and second year students and then developing them
0: throughout their their time with us at WVU. Nice. So, I mean, since often you're seeing students for like multiple years in, in theory, that's what we want. But, but what would you say are the benefits of having an on-campus job? Because I know from the work that I've done, like, hey, having a job on campus helps students feel connected to campus and that helps with retention and graduation. So what are some of the other benefits?
1: Oh, yeah. I was, when I was looking at my notes on this one, I just wrote, yes. I think that, You know, there's so many. There's a lot of research out there too about the benefits of of having an on-campus job. I think some of the things. I can speak from my experience just over the years working with with students. I think a lot of it is it provides them structure. So let's take that first-year student. They have gone from having a very rigorous high school experience from probably six or seven a.m until two or three and then they probably have a sports practice or extracurricular so they've come from a very structured lifestyle and now they're entering college and they have you know they might have a class at nine they'll have a class at 11 maybe a class at one and then they've got nothing else scheduled unless they are they participate in a club or other extracurriculars so have, I've found that them having a job has helped them structure their day because we have for for member services and operations, we have a consistent schedule for the semester. So if you work Monday, Tuesday, Friday from three to six, that's going to be consistent the whole time. That's going to help them structure their day and then their week and week beyond and beyond, right. For the whole semester. So I think that the structure has been huge. You know, people talk about work-life balance. I call it work-life harmony, whatever you want to say. I think that it just helps them kind of piece together and provide that structure. And you mentioned it. I think the sense of community is probably is right up there as the second one. I mean, I've got emails and cards and testimonials that talk all the time about, you know, didn't know what I was going to do, thought about leaving school, found my family at Campus Rec. And, you know, we have I think my favorite part of the year or where you see this impact the most approaching it is graduation. So when you get those seniors that have been with the department for 3 to 4 years that are just distraught about leaving because they don't, you know, they know that they're graduating, they're excited about it, they're moving on to a great next chapter, but they're like torn up about leaving us because it's become a family and people that they love and care about. And so I think that the the sense of community cannot be understated, but I think in general, you know, structure helps them piece together their week is, is been really cool to, to see them and they do it themselves. They, they can piece together their schedule and then they execute
0: things very well. And so how do you think that this development helps students academically?
1: I think that, so they, are learning in the classroom, right? What they what they need to know for their chosen career path. I mean we we don't hire I try to diversify the students we have. So we've got engineers, we have people that want to be teachers, we have people that want to be social workers and every doc everything in between, right? All different career paths. So they're learning in the classroom what they need to know. I think they're learning with us how to apply that to the workplace. So they're learning how to work well like being in school. And I think, you know, some people have, will get to a stage depending on, there's some degrees or fields that uh, are a little more involved when it gets to the practical things, right? So once someone's to a certain point in nursing school, they can't have a job also, because now their job becomes their rounds or their practicals. And so there's some that are a little different, but for the most part, they're kind of learning what a workplace is like through their employment with us as well so it's kind of supplementing their academics in them getting to see you know me operate a business because ultimately that's what it is right we're we're operating a business and doing that through providing different opportunities for people to be well so it's it looks a little different but at the end of the day it's a business and they get to see how that operates on the inside
0: yeah So let's talk a little bit more about how you actually develop the students that you employ, because I mean, when you were describing all the different positions, (laughs) those are vastly different. I mean, the lifeguard is a lot different than someone who's helping with like member services. So do you have like specific curricula or rubrics that you follow, like when you train employees? And if so, like, could you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, this is something where I can speak to what we do within member services and operations. But what I will say is that is, it is completely di- different depending on program area, which you address. Okay. Uh, what a lifeguard needs to know and what an official needs to know in terms of how to do their job is very different. Uh, a group exercise instructor and a personal trainer have different skill sets uh, that they need to execute as opposed to someone working on the fitness floors or behind the front desk. So we understand and recognize that. But the biggest thing at Campus Rec is still driving home that you are a Campus Rec team member and Campus Rec employee, and then you build on top of that with your specific position. So there's a couple things we do to reinforce that. Every fall we do a Campus Rec kickoff with all student employees. We weren't able to do it this previous fall with COVID, but typically we've got all you know two to three hundred people there they're all meeting and interacting with different people in different program areas and then there's some general trainings that everybody has to have right Base, we call them baseline training so they have to have their cpr certification so we we train through the american red cross we do a cpro so cpr for the professional rescuer which allows them to work with each other it allows them to work with a lifeguard so it's the same portion of cpr that a lifeguard learns. so we have to keep those things in mind When we're doing those trainings, everybody gets trained with the same risk management, so they have to understand not only how to physically respond in an emergency, but they have to understand how that ties in with their role. So we spend a lot of time on, on those baseline trainings at first. There's some other ones, children on campus. Children work in and around or in and around our facility. So they have to be trained on that. Title IX, those sorts of things. So once everyone kind of has their baseline training, then they can work into their position specific training. So again, each area has a, an elaborate process for how each position is trained. With us within member services and operations, I use a peer mentor model that I've developed over the years. So The biggest thing for us is is teamwork and i think that that is because we have to be consistent again i'll use the same example from 6 a.m to midnight we have to be consistent in how we're enforcing our policies how we're delivering customer service and so building that team is critical to how we successfully operate the student rec center and deliver our programs and services so I wouldn't necessarily call it a curriculum, but a a model that I have liked to follow is the five dysfunctions of a team from Patrick Lencioni. It talks about, it's basically a pyramid and it talks about how you have to build trust before you can have productive conflict so that you can have conflict, work out some issues and then commit to things as a team. Once you commit to things as a team, you can hold each other accountable and then you can focus on your results. So that's a 22nd version of his whole book, but that's what I, over the years, have have grown to develop and, and really see as being successful within our trainings. So, team focus, but an individualized approach, right? So, going back to the fact that we've got people that, that are coming from all different backgrounds and lived experiences and are needing to work together to achieve a common goal. So, I spend a lot of time building trust and fostering those relationships before we even talk about you know our software, or this is how you clean a dumbbell. This is how you swipe somebody in. This is how you register someone for the climbing wall. We have to we have to start at the bottom. So we we do that, and then I'm very clear about expectations. They're very high, but they they rise to them almost ninety percent of the time. But high expectations, and then I think it's holding them accountable is is huge. So sometimes this is their first job. That's very, you know, a, a huge reality, especially when we're looking at our first year students, this might be their first job and might be the first time they've been held accountable. And so that's something that is, is really important for us. But again, working on the team, the teamwork. And so going into our process for the, the training, that's a little bit of the philosophy, I guess you could say, but the actual process is, is pretty extensive. So we start off with a new hire orientation so they go through learning the very basics of the department. They understand how we fall within the division. They understand where our role within the university, all those, you know, kind of big picture things. They learn about all the professional staff and, and they learn about all those other different student positions. And we spend time giving them the context so that they understand that. They get to, to meet and uh, interact with people that are currently in that role which does actually start in the hiring process. So we have students involved in the hiring process and the decisions about who's going to join our team. But then we get into position-specific training, which is led by veteran staff. So I typically, I might be there at the new hire orientation, but I might not see or interact with one of these new hires until they have their one-on-one with me because they, they're being trained By veteran staff, which is like a cohort model. They're learning from their peers. They're seeing people that are modeling the appropriate behaviors and and doing exemplifying, you know, our values and how we do things, but they do training groups. They do shadow shifts. They, they learn the ins and outs of the job from someone already doing the job really well. And then they're, you know, they're good to go. We do checks for understanding, make sure that their skills are there. Their, their competence is high. And then we work on building their confidence Theoretically, I think I have a whole chart, but theoretically, they interact with 12 veteran staff by the time they're 12 different veteran staff by the time they're working their first shift. So they're, they're kind of brought into the team and welcomed with open arms. And then within that, that you know, that's our entry level position training. If they want to be a member services assistant, they go through kind of a, a similar model, but they learn how to do memberships a lot more training on our computer software. So spend some time kind of like in a computer lab situation where they learn the ins and outs of that. And then I think the the next kind of chapter of that would be if they choose or show promise in being a student leader uh, and want to be an operations supervisor. We try to recognize those folks as early as we can because there's a lot of training that goes into that process that's more leadership focused so it's less kind of hands-on skills it's more about how do you lead and sometimes correct your peers which i think is one of the hardest things that you can do not only for college students but for anybody right so similar process to that but we spend a lot more time on the actual we we have a leadership development series that we take them through it's very extensive it has like five parts. It's about two to three weeks of training before they even learn how to be a supervisor. So we really spend some time on, on developing their leadership skills. And then another similar process with training groups and shadow shifts for their, their physical, you know, how do you unlock the doors and how do you turn off the fight, you know, the alarms and how do you contact UPD for different things and
0: that sort of stuff. So, Same. so I think, I think what's interesting about Campus Records is you have so many student employees, and it's not even like physically possible for the professional staff who work within the department to supervise all of those students, right? Because it's if you have 350 employees and 10 professional staff members, if that, that's just you'd be spending all week in meetings. Like it would just be <laughs> super. So, could you talk a little bit more about the unique type of supervision structure that you have, because you have the student supervisors, like how many students does a s- operations supervisor manage, would mm-hmm. you say?
1: Yeah. So during a typical shift, again, I'm going to pretend like we're open. <laughs> so if we're open within the facility, an operations supervisor within our program area could have the at the m- most six operations and member services Entry level staff that they would be supervising on a day to day basis. Now, the important thing I think for everyone to understand is there, you know, when it comes like our accountability policy, or let's say there's an issue with staff performance, that's not appropriate for an undergraduate student to to, you know, be disciplining another one, right? So we we talk about strategies of how to correct behaviors and, and those sorts of things, but they're not, you know, writing the person up and then having a disciplinary meeting if we were to ever do that. So we we have them focus on how they build their shift teams. Now they could then have three to four shifts a week, Time, um, you know, four times six, not great at math, but they could oversee quite a different... <laughs> quite a bit of staff throughout the course of the week. But I think it's it's all about how, again, it comes back to relationships and trust. And so we teach them how to build trust within a team. They go through one of the modules of their leadership development series is learning about the the five dysfunctions of a team. And then we talk about how can you apply this to your team? The other thing that we do is I meet with me and my two graduate assistants and our to program assistants, we meet with our operations supervisors every week. And we talk about how things are going. There are you know, eyes and ears. I tell them all the time, you know how to do your job better than I do. So you tell me how things are going. And a lot of the decisions actually and changes we make to our policies and procedures come from the students. They're going to be the ones that say, hey, this isn't really working that great or we're having an issue with this. And then my job is to fix it and to hear them and to let them know that their, their voice and their opinion is, is heard and matters. So, uh, but they are, they're responsible for, you know, if someone's late, they have to communicate that to us and we have different processes for how that works. And again, each program area handles that separately. So a head lifeguard is who's going to work with the lifeguards and help hold them accountable. Your club and intramural sports supervisors are going to do that for officials and clubs, the fitness Staff, so personal trainers and and group exercise instructors, those would fall kind of under an operations supervisor if we were open. But I think the other role that's critical, absolutely critical, you mentioned only having about 10 professional staff, our graduate assistants are, I don't know if linchpin is the appropriate term, but they, they make us survive, really. They work so hard and they're learning to do what we do. As professional staff. So there's not really a, there's only one school in the country that offers a campus recreation master's degree. And so we have to, they're getting their master's in whatever it might be, higher education, sports management, but then they're learning how to do what they're going to do as a career through their assistantship. So they're critical. They do a lot of our staff performance meetings. They work a lot with staff supervision as well. And so they're probably the the biggest help when it comes to overseeing the the 300 to 350 student
0: employees. Well, I can definitely agree with that from our perspective with our GAs, although we don't have 350 uh, student wellness ambassador team members. I wish we did, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we, that's a volunteer job. (laughs) Uh, So I know you've talked a lot about like building trust and, and communication. Are there any other like specific transferable skills that you all like to focus on when you do your trainings? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: I, I, so NACE, or if uh, people aren't familiar with the acronym, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, they, I explain it to my students as it's the people that work at career services at a bunch of colleges and universities and people that hire college graduates from a bunch of different companies across all different fields and um, industries come together and they say, what do we need people to be able to do? And then the people at colleges say, how can we teach them that? That's how I explain it to my students. It's a lot more complicated than that. But they put out every year their top eight competencies that that people entering the workforce need to know today. And so we see that, we monitor it, and we make sure, like my responsibility is to make sure that our student employees are developing those eight, if not more, competencies. But most importantly, they understand how to articulate it that's the biggest piece. You can have all the competence in the world, but if you don't have the confidence to show somebody how you can do something or say, this is how enforcing a policy on our fitness floor shows that I have great oral and written communication skills. So there's a lot that are on there. And I was going through the list, trying to say, which one do I think they develop the most? And I I think that they, they develop them all. I think critical thinking and problem solving is huge. Again, I'm not going to be there for them to say, cream, what should I do? You, I always tell them I'm going to teach, I can't teach you how to handle every situation because I've been doing this for how many years and I still encounter things I've never experienced before, but I'm going to teach you how to think critically. I'm going to teach you our general rules and policies, and then I'm going to give you the confidence to be able to make that decision without me. And if you've done it within the parameters, I'm going to support you 10 out of 10 times. We might've you know, discussed ways we could do it differently or, ways we could solve that problem in the future, but having them learn how to do it on their own is huge. And that's going to build that confidence. When you have that, you know, that fifth year student's been here for a while, they're they're still experiencing things that they don't know how to do, but they've, they've honed in their critical thinking and problem solving skills over the years. And now they can do that. And you can use that example for any of the other ones, oral and written communication, teamwork, collaboration, digital technology, leadership, professionalism and work ethic, career management, and global and intercultural fluency. If anyone doesn't have them written down in front of them, uh, that's what the top eight are currently. But I'm also just really intentional. And I, I make them look at this all the time. So when we do their mid-year evals, when we do their end-of-year evals, it's based on their NACE competencies. So I say, how has your critical thinking and problem-solving been this semester? I have a worksheet in front of me, actually, because we're uh, getting ready to do our end of years. But we talk about a specific experience or responsibility that they have, and I make them check which competency they've developed through doing that and how, so that they get used to talking about it, so that when they're in an interview to be a mechanical engineer, they can talk about how their job with campus rec has made them ready for that workplace. And then you can apply that to any industry or field, but definitely they, they develop all of the skills and are all, you know, I, I'll get letters <laughs> from next employers, like people that have hired people that have worked for us and said, wow, this person's great. Thank you so much. Or things like that. So it doesn't happen all the time, but definitely has has a large impact on on how they're able to enter the workforce so
0: and so kareen is there like a hiring season for campus rec or do you often just hire as you need employees because inevitably you know if you hire a student something might happen in the course of the semester where they have to give up the position but yeah. do you generally have like a hiring season would you say yes and no i wish i had an easy answer Each program area,
1: again, is different. You know, uh, they'll take officials any time of the year. They'll, you know, if if someone shows up and can teach it, is certified to teach a fitness class, they'll take them. So I think it kind of depends, but there are in general, like spikes with semesters. Mm -hmm. So we are really flexible. We work with class schedules. You know, we might have a, within operations and member services, we have 80 to 100 student employees. And so piecing together a semester schedule, which all credit to my GAs and program assistants, they, they take that on, but that's, you know, people's academic schedules alone could impact our, our schedule for staffing. So we might have to hire more people because we just don't have someone that can work from 1145 to one. So a little tough there, but in general, there are spikes for, for the beginning of the fall semester. Personally, I have kind of <laughs> created a formula over the years. I know that there's about 3%. So like, let's say we need 50 that we need to hire fifty more people. Okay, well, let's actually hire sixty because we know ten of them are probably going to have last-minute schedule changes or are going to drop out or are going to go through half of the hiring processing and, and decide it's not really what's best for them. So there's different ways we try to address that during the hiring process. Again, a lot of time and money goes into hiring and training, and so we, you know, we are really clear about expectations at the beginning, but there's kind of a little formula sweet spot where you can address some of that, but typically semesters, but you know, some, yeah, we might, you know, halfway through the semester be like, Oh wow. Okay. We need, we need three more people. So whatever we got to do to make it work, but uh, typically semesters, I guess for operations would be what I would say, but.
0: All right. Cool. And so I, well, that's one of the advantages of having a job on campus is that, the The employers are more willing to work with your class schedule than perhaps if you were working off campus somewhere mm-hmm. else. yeah um, and there so if you're all are interested in working on campus, um, <laughs> definitely check out Campus Rec because they have a lot of opportunities available, but they're not the only opportunities. So, if, doesn't seem like your cup of tea. There's something else out there for you as well. But uh, Karine, thanks so much for coming here today. Well, I say coming here. We're in our own places. <laughs> uh, that's okay though. But is there anything else that you want to share before we sign off? I don't think so. Again, I really appreciate.
1: I could talk about this all day, but really appreciate being on here. And I would just say to to anyone that either is a student or knows a student that doesn't maybe feel that they found their place or their community on campus. I think we're a really great place to start. And I just, my heart gets so warm just looking at, you know, seeing them build their relationships and become friends and become roommates and, and all those sorts of things. It's just really, they're why I do what I do. And I, I Truly, do love and care about all of them. Looking, you know, I'm sad about graduation because we're losing a bunch, but um, also just hired 27 more, so pretty excited to
0: to bring on a new team and can't wait to open and have them
1: have them all together again. So,
0: um, actually, actually, one last question: If a student is interested in employment, where can they find the open positions? Is it on Handshake? Is it through CampusRec's website? Where can they go?
1: I would start at the website. Yep. So campusrec.wvu.edu um, under the employment tab, all the different positions are listed. Some are via handshake. A couple might direct you with who specifically to reach out with. If anyone's confused in general, though, I would just say have them email campusrec at mail.wvu.edu. And my graduate assistant who monitors that email account can point them <laughs> towards the right person. But look, I think pretty good
0: majority of our positions are on handshake, yes. Okay. So we'll link to that employment tab in the description for this podcast so that people can go and check it out. But thank you again so much, Kareem. This was a great conversation and hope I hope our listeners learned a little something about (laughs) working at campus recreation. But to all of our listeners out there, we really appreciate you. And as the semester is winding down, best of luck as we approach the final season and take big, deep breaths and we're almost there. Well, thank you all so much. And we will catch you next time on Wellbeing Wednesdays.